Welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. Today, Matt welcomes Zeiss, a singer-songwriter hailing from Lindenhurst, New York. With a rich rock and roll background and an album out called Indecisive Station, Zeiss chats with Matt about the writing process for the album, how long it was in the works, and the inspiration for many of the tracks. With Matt, Zeiss also tackles the importance of performing live and emphasizes how much he values a strong live music scene in an artist's life. He also talks about the role his family has played in his music career before getting into some upcoming projects, including a new single and another album. He even expressed his wish to branch out into other genres, such as opera. And so, without further ado, here's presenting Matt Storm and Zeiss. And welcome to another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. I, of course, am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon, and my guest today is Zeiss. Thank you for joining me today, sir. Thanks for having me, man. Really appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this. My pleasure. Anytime. Um, I'm really glad that uh, Scott hooked us up back in the day um, when I was writing for um, Broken Records. He had connected us because you were working on some cool stuff. And uh, so I'm glad we finally were able to nail down a time and, and get an interview on the books. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that was uh, some time ago. That, uh, that was, yeah. I think that was like two years ago at this point. Yeah, it, it was quite a while ago. But um, since then, you've put out a brand new record um, called Indecisive Station. Um, which I've been listening to quite a bit and I enjoy. Um, so I guess we'll start with talking about that. So how long had you been working on that record for? That album was really just, a, that was a, me just, you know, collectively grabbing my, like, I, I, I'm a songwriter and poet at heart. So it just, you know, I feel kind of, I just write what I feel if I'm in the zone for, you know, depending on what kind of mood, you know, uh, that I'm in. I, I think the way I kind of put it is, when someone who doesn't write songs wants to hear a song, they turn on the radio. When a person who writes songs wants to hear a song, they'll write it. You know what I mean? So like, right. it's it's you know if I wanted this. So this album is a is a mixed genre album, and it was mainly at the end of the day I realized you know I really don't. It's I'm not one of the people that are totally cemented into the idea of like an album has to be all one fit. Uh, I'm very influenced songwriting wise by someone like Billy Joel, who really just kind of did whatever he wanted. Uh, I feel like you know his albums were. They were tied together by his style, but they were, you know, you listen to a lot of the albums, the songs all sound kind of like almost different genres, you know, or they'll dabble into different things. So um, I had a bunch of songs laying around and I was, you know, a bunch of ones that friends had favorited that I had favorited. And I just decided, I was like, you know what, I want to put a record together and I want to, I want to get songs, take the time because I had, I had previously had four other releases um, a single, uh, a full record and another single and an EP. And, uh, you know, they were, they were all cool and stuff, but nothing that really got to showcase my songwriting ability, which is something that I take more pride in than vocal ability. Um, so I really wanted to kind of showcase that and, uh, yeah, just kind of decided on the record from there. Awesome. And so is that why the record is called Indecisive Station? Because it's kind of like you wanted to show that you you're kind of all over the place as far as the style that you like. Yeah, it was it was when, you know, I consider myself, uh, sadly, an indecisive individual. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but in regards to that, you know, I was like, I was trying to think of good names and 
Um, I had floated through a few, and then finally I was like, you know what? I like Indecisive Station because, to me, it's when you listen to the record, it's kind of like you're flipping through, like, a, I want to say, like, almost, the, I could say the radio, but almost like like a, a best of the 19-whatevers, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's kind of like right. an, a, a, a group of different different eras of music, so I figured Indecisive Station makes sense because it's like you're listening to all different radio stations. And so, um, how long have you been writing music for? I've been, well, I mean, I would say... I've been writing songs, poems, whatever you want to call it, since I was, I don't know, how old are you in the third grade? I really, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I know it's the third grade. I just don't remember. I mean, what are you, like nine in the third grade? Right? Yeah, so probably since, something since like that. about nine years old, uh, I started writing songs, and uh, I had a teacher in elementary school who didn't believe that I wrote it because it didn't seem like something a nine-year-old would write because it was, uh, not to say it was like some, uh, you know, great, you know, uh, masterpiece, but it just was a little advanced for a, uh, for a nine year old. So I was like, screw this. Like <laughs> it's me. So I just kept writing almost, um, in, in, in a, a vengeance <laughs> kind of way, you know, where it was like, I'm going to prove to you I can write. But then from there, just, you know, I mean, every kid, I feel like a lot of uh, kids get in that zone when you're a teenager and everyone has their, their dark poetic times. But for me, it was more, I enjoyed the, um, I enjoyed the challenge of songwriting where I would give myself a topic. I'd have friends do it almost. I guess the same concept behind when a rapper freestyles, I took that uh, lyrically as well. And I, so someone would be like, oh, okay, write a poem about this, write a song about this. And I would do it and I'd put myself to the challenge. And there's actually a song on the record that got done that exact same way. It was because I, I always like to keep up my songwriting chops. So I'll, I'll, I'll think of random things and just try to create clever rhymes that go with them. And then, um, the song caricatures on the album came about that way because I had written a bunch of characters um, just like, like I said, for the sake of writing a song, uh, I'm sorry, of practicing and keeping my chops up. And then mm -hmm. I was like, well, you know what, if I put this all together, I, it might make a cool little tune. Uh, so, uh, and, it, and it went from there and the song kind of grew and then it became about, you know, the nine to five kind of spiel. Nice. Yeah. That actually happens to be one of my favorite songs on the record. I really dig that. It just, it feels kind of very, natural but at the same time it does feel like it's kind of like you know it, it feels very storytelling and, and i like that and you know putting pulling all of these kind of caricatures and stories together you know i think felt very natural and, yeah. and uh, made sense i'm glad you know like it, it all tied together i think in that song by by the nine to five because i'm pretty sure you know majority of folks can can um relate to the nine to five schedule or you know so to speak where you you feel that you know you're you're held down by that and then at the end of the day i mean mm -hmm. who doesn't want who's not who's i don't know anybody who's not like man i could really go for a drink right now so that's kind of right. what it was it was like you know we and it all stays clear to or i'm sorry they all drink beer till they're in the clear to go to sleep with a smile and it, and it kind of went right. like that you know I, i've worked in the bar scenes growing up and stuff so for me it all just kind of tied there and i wanted to i wanted to create a, to paint a picture with it where it starts off kind of dreary and uh then there's moments of the song where it picks up and it's supposed to take you mentally and paint the picture of what it's like on like a Friday night when you go out drinking, <laughs> you go out drinking, you're having a good time, you're you're reminiscing about the week and you're just trying to get rid of your sorrows. And then there's that like fast music. Uh, there's there's a, like a dancey part of the song. And that's supposed to be that part of the night where you forget all that crap you were just whining about having a great time. And then the end of the song goes back to, oh, crap. And that's going to be Monday where you're like, shit, I got to go right. back to work. <laughs> um. The next thing I wanted to ask is, so when you're putting a song together, because you talk quite a bit about how you like to write, yeah. do you 
come up with the music and the melody first, or do you put the create the lyrics and then kind of shape music around it? Um, I I've done both. I would say majority okay. of this record was done lyrics first. Um, I would mm-hmm. say the only song on the album that was done music first was a song "Till Then." Um, my producer helped me. I had I had a, I had a vision of a song that I wanted to do, and that's not to sound pretentious. <laughs> like, I had a vision, but I I had, I had an idea basically that I wanted to create a song uh, that I could end that I could end shows with. You know, like a song that you know I'm, I'm a big Elvis fan, and like at the end of Elvis's show he would always sing i can't help falling in love with you and it was his right um hat hats off to the crowd kind of thing you know like a till next time thing so i was like i really want a song called till then i bid you adieu and i had the chorus in my head i wrote the chorus musically and uh, my producer helped me make the rest of the music and i kind of wrote the song based on that and um in all honesty too it was that was that was pretty much a whatever felt good lyrically song you know and like it did it didn't that necessarily all make sense to me because what I also do is, as a songwriter, I have a book full of different um, different phrases that sound good that I want to remember. Like, okay, this is a cool song. This is a cool phrase. I want to put this in a song. Like, it sounds clever. I can make it sound clever with something else. So for most of that song, in all honesty, I actually uh, fell back onto my book. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make this just sound good. I just want it to feel good. So a lot of the words <laughs> in that song, the song the album, Till Then, actually go I, the reason i feel like it is such a, a good song and it feels good is just because i did it for that reason you know i didn't do it to make sense i did it to just give you kind of like something to jam to you like man i really like this song you know it's just not right. the and you know not to make it any less of a of a of a piece i just figured it would be different right um and so come when it comes around to making music and writing the music um what instruments do you play i i mean obviously i imagine you play guitar but what other instruments do you play uh, i actually just dabble with guitar it's nothing i wouldn't Got it. i wouldn't you know if if i'm carrying that on the stage there's a good you know there's, there's a good chance it's a prop you know what i mean uh there's a good chance it's just there so i don't look awkward i can strum along you know what i mean like i can play rhythm mm-hmm. but that's about it and uh I can I, I fiddle on piano, but I'm actually I'm good with uh, I'm a I'm a decent drummer I should say and um, okay but that's it's kind of hard to be a front man and play the drums you know I feel like the sure. only person who tried it was Chris Cornell in um, in the uh, oh man the name escapes me what was the bandy Sound Soundgarden he was in Soundgarden he did it you know yeah. and um, yeah but yeah so I, I I fiddle with stuff like that I'm I'm but so like I, I'll create a riff more than anything I'll create a riff piano but I'm also mm-hmm. I'm good at um, vocally creating melodies that's that's something you know got it. i'm not a giant i wouldn't call myself a giant michael jackson fan but it's complete respect as an artist and i know after i had after i knew how that's how i did my thing i realized that's how he did him also at some point they would show yeah. you he would like almost beatbox a song out and then play that to mm-hmm. the producer and be like okay help me translate this into song and that is more or less what i wind up doing uh with most of my songs i'll just get in the zone lyrically and musically create something uh, and vocalize it and then send it to my producer and he'll help translate that into music and we'll go from there. Oh, that's really awesome. It's actually very different from a lot of what I hear. You know, most artists are like, um, I've interviewed indie rappers who are good with a guitar, so they put a melody together that way and that kind of stuff. So that's pretty cool that you use your vocals and your voice to kind of create the music. I think that's an interesting way to put it together. So when you perform live, do you have a backing band then, I yeah. imagine? Yeah, I have. Uh, I tend to wind up having a pretty large band because I, I enjoy horns and music. I enjoy backup song mm-hmm. singers and music because I, I, I grew up on a lot of older music. And for me, a lot of older sure. music, emphasized horns and backups um 
So I wind up doing the same thing. So when I'm on stage, I usually have, aside from myself, two guitarists, a bass player, a drummer, a keyboard player, uh, two backup singers, and like two to three horn players. Wow, that's pretty awesome. You don't hear that a lot anymore. You know, a lot of bands that I see live, especially in New York and in the city, it's it's fairly small outfits, you know, you know, two or three or four people. Um, so that's pretty cool to know that there's still someone playing around in the city that has such a large, you know, ensemble. That's pretty. Yeah, neat. you know, it's it's. I feel like that's something because for me, you know, it's a lot of people, in my opinion, you know, and that's fine. Like musically, you know, everyone was going for the different vibe, and everyone was going for that that indie vibe, and that that indie vibe mm-hmm. included small piece bands with that uh, that gang that gang um, chant, you know, and uh, that yeah. became kind of the vibe. But for me, it was always I like I like big music, I like grand music, I like music that you just feel. And for me, music that really usually feels has horns in it i don't know what it is it's just like i feel like you can't listen to a saxophone and be like oh yeah i don't like that song you hear a saxophone you're like oh it's my favorite part of the tune so right um so i try to do i try to do that you know and, and they're there i was happy to see you know there's bands you, you look at even something like i mean it's a little more commercial than you know other bands that i would come to mind but you even look at something like bruno mars uh started including sure. horns in his songs or i don't know if you're familiar with the band i'm i'm an enormous fan right now uh, nathaniel rateliff in the night sweats and uh i've heard of oh them, yeah. man that's they are something but they have a full ensemble they have horns they have everything um then sturgill simpson he's a country artist he as well he's been throwing like the 70s kind of horns in there so it's good to see it's coming back and it's something that i've always wanted that i've always you know tied into my music as well very cool um so my next question is you mentioned earlier that billy joel was one of your influences yes. kind of growing up because of his variety and the way he kind of wrote and and dabbled in many genres who would you say your biggest influences besides him are on your songwriting and your singing 100 uh, percent, i'd have to say elvis and my father and i'd probably i'd probably put, put that <laughs> equally because my father was a uh, my father i mean not past tense not in life but past tense in songwriting like he would he would write great i mean he just wrote great songs too a few of the songs are actually written by him on the record um he wrote oh cool he wrote the song still ripping me apart and he wrote the song Mm -hmm. i'm so lonely for you um and so i took big influence i mean i pretty much sound just like he does if i were to play you his music you'd be like that's not you uh so i sound just like him (laughs) but uh an enormous part of my my um upbringing was on elvis uh entertainment wise and vocally you know songwriter he was not you know so i don't know why i said it like right. yoda but he wasn't a songwriter um, <laughs> but you know it was it, it was he was a fantastic fan i mean he's probably one of the only names that you can walk to any corner of the planet and everyone's gonna know who he is so right. you know for me i grew up just watching and be like wanting to be just like him but then as i matured and recognized that how much i enjoyed my own poetry and writing poetry and then had the the brain capacity to really think about the things Billy Joel was writing. I would take a look at stuff like that, or even Bruce Springsteen lyrics, uh, Bob Dylan lyrics. Mm-hmm. And you would read these lyrics and you're like, wow, these are so, so out there. Like how did this guy ever think of that? And then, so, you know, I would gain the aspiration to do that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would say honestly, Billy and Elvis and uh, like I said, then, you know, my father was a giant part of my, uh, my mm-hmm. wanting to pursue music. That's really awesome. Uh, it's funny, on a different level, I feel the same way about my father. My father has probably the world's largest vinyl collection, and I grew up listening to all different kinds of genres. And I think it's why my music diversity is so... Like, I have just such a large, diverse taste in music is because of him. And it's interesting 
how much like having a musician or someone who likes music in your life can kind of guide your perspective and educate you. Have you, you said your father wrote a couple songs on the records. Have you guys sung on a track together? Have you performed together before? Well, um, we have not. And you know, the thing that I think, uh, not necessarily held my father back, but I feel like there was something that's, it's the state, it's the, it's the pressure, I guess, you know, of, uh, the, the focus that winds up drawing to you when you perform. So we, I cheated the system on my first record. I really wanted my dad to sing backups on the record, and right. and he didn't want to. He uh, he he had he had some things, uh, some like medical things in the past that had messed up his rhythm, and so I guess he's a little mm-hmm. self conscious to do it. So what I did was I took his original demos from the from the eighties, uh, lifted, had his voice lifted, and had it put in my song as background vocals this way oh that's awesome yeah that's really cool you know that was on my first record and that's that's why that you know i did that just because i was like oh my dad on this you know and i also had my sister come in and sing backup on it because you know i just wanted i wanted to try to get everybody that i really care about kind of involved in the process this way you know regardless of success 40 60 years from now i can look back and be like oh yeah this is cool because you know what i mean yeah totally oh that's awesome it sounds like you come from a very musically inclined family yeah, they, uh, they, they, you know, my sister is a hobbyist. My father was definitely, I would definitely classify him as a singer songwriter. You know, he wrote really some really great jams. And then I was the one who was like, you know, no, this is something I really need to pursue, you know? Cool. That's awesome. Um, my next question is, so it sounds like you play live quite a bit and you kind of have mm-hmm. a, a, um, you know, a path that you're looking to, to walk as far as a music career and, and next steps. Um, now that this album is out, do you plan on touring a bit, kind of taking it all, uh, uh, you know, around so people can hear it? Yeah, that, that's definitely my intent. You know, that, now that the record's out there, I feel like I, I wrote some tunes on there that I definitely want to put out there that I would love to see take over like a, a, a small crowd. You know, I'd like to see everyone's mm-hmm. face at once kind of thing. Like that. You know, I feel like that's part of a songwriter. You want to see the way people feed off it. But um, I definitely I know I definitely want to get get the album on the road and stuff. I've been trying to promote it uh, social media wise and through uh, branches of that nature. Um, but I definitely want to try to take it on the road and I'm in the process of, uh, actually I'm going to release another single to try to, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It kind of put a little fire under its belly. You know what I mean? Like a single to almost sure. like make it even go further and draw more attention to the record. So I just wrote a single and, uh, it's funny cause it, it happened like I was saying, most of the songs on the record were done that I wrote lyrics first. This last, this new single, I wrote every bit of the music first, and then the lyrics came after. Um, yeah, and it's totally different too. It's actually, it sounds funny, but until you hear it, it doesn't make sense. The new track is actually influenced by uh, um, like Cuban music or uh, merengue. Oh, cool! And uh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it's gonna be, it's it's gonna be a little different. It's gonna be like uh, um, Chicago meets uh, Ricky Martin. Interesting. Yeah. I, I like how that sounds, uh, strangely. Yeah. Um, putting out a single like that, do you plan on putting a music video together, too? Do you put stuff out like oh, that yeah, as well? Yeah, you know, um, the last music video I did was some time ago, and that was for the record, like when I had written, when I had, um, sorry, put together the first song off that, this last record, and it was like the one song that was done at the time. Well, you know, let's throw together a video, but yeah, no, for the single, I plan on doing a, uh, I plan on doing uh, an actual production video, and then I want to do a live video too. That I'll, I'll probably wind up doing um, just out of like whatever nook I find, you know, uh, grab a band together sure. and just do a nice, cool live jam version. Because that's another thing I'm a big fan of. When it comes to live music, also, you know, like aside from just putting the record out, I like to 
entertainment's a big part. So I like to make it different. You know, if you just wanted to hear my music, you could just buy the CD, you know, so I feel like as a entertainer, you got to put on a show. So I always have like jam breakdowns in the middle of my songs. Sure. I mean, that makes sense. And people like to hear something new, you know, and improvisation is probably, I'm sure, a lot of fun for the band as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, um, with the, what's the name of the new single? Because I don't know that you actually mentioned it. Uh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> the single is actually called uh, Loco. And, um, Loco. Nice. Yeah, and it's it was just, uh, I won't even lie. I was watching, I don't know if you've seen the movie Ant-Man. But there's a. I have, of course, so yeah, absolutely. The introduce the introduction at the beginning of the movie when uh, Paul Rudd leaves prison. There's there's a Hispanic song playing, and yeah. I was watching TV, and all of a sudden that the groove hit me, and then like I started kind of jamming on that vibe, and then all of a sudden I started catching myself creating an entire song, and um, I made the whole song, and I was like, it was, <laughs> and I wrote it wrote it in like 20 minutes, and then I sent it to my producer, I was like, check this out, and then he. Uh, and he listened to it. He's like, dude, he's like, that is, he's like, you nailed it. He's like, that's something, you know? And so, uh, I, I was stoked. It was just, it was one of those moments where I'm like, man, I'm so glad I stumbled on that. That's awesome. Are you a, a big comic book fan? Do you like uh, Marvel movies? I'm a, I'm, I'm a bigger DC guy. I'm a huge, uh, Batman guy. I've been a Batman fan since I was like four. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I was big into that. Must be tough for you to watch those new movies then, huh? I actually love it. I honestly do. Like, oh, yeah? When Batman vs. Superman came out, uh, um, to me, I found it to be very uh, on point with the mythology. You know, obviously it takes some of it took artistic liberties, and I get why. Uh, but I feel like mm-hmm. as a comic book fan and a Batman fan and a, a fan of the books that that movie was based off of, I watched it, and I was actually really – I left very satisfied. I was like, you know what? I was like, that really touched on a lot of points. You know, were there moments that could have been cut out? Sure, but uh, I feel like you're never going to be, no one's ever going to be fully pleased. Sure. Well, I mean, I, I, my, I think my biggest struggle with the newest movie is that it was just so heavy and dark. I like that the Marvel movies are at least a little brighter and sure. funnier. You know, having fun, like, I mean, like Ant-Man specifically is one of my favorites of the newer ones because it just, it has a good time with itself. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It just moves. And like the secondary characters are fun and funny and they're not, pointless and kind of just forced in and sure so i can definitely get that uh, ant-man was ant-man was awesome on all levels because it was it was like super entertaining due to the fact that it had comic relief but not to the point where you couldn't take it seriously right like those the 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 powerful moments were still powerful absolutely like i feel like to me i feel like deadpool was a little too comedic um Mm -hmm. you know whereas i feel like ant-man had just the right amount and um i think it was definitely done with a nice science but for me, when it comes to Batman, I actually like the darker because if you, I've read back to the original comics, uh, from the thirties mm-hmm. or forties and they were very dark. You know, you bet Batman was an extremely violent, uh, character. And so mm-hmm. I kind of liked that they cashed in on that a little bit more than they have in the past, but definitely good stuff. Awesome. Yeah. I, I find that it's always interesting when I talk to someone who's in the arts and involved in the arts, what they like tangentially. So, um, jumping off from comic books, uh, what other things do you like to do in your downtime besides writing music? Or do you have any other hobbies that you're really into? Video games, TV, that kind of stuff. Honestly, I just I enjoy. I wind up finding myself in different artistic aspects. I enjoy um, graphic design. I wind up. Mm-hmm. I wind up. Uh, I'm trying to put a book together as well of just all different quotes and like proverbial things of that nature that I've done in the past. I I actually wrote a comic book myself. Um, Oh, awesome! Uh, so I try to I try to stick with things that uh, keep the creative flow going, and not, not because I think that it's 
something I have to do, but I actually genuinely enjoy doing that. That's neat. That's really awesome. Um, did you find that writing a comic book was very different from like songwriting and storytelling? Oh, that way? yeah, big time. Uh, it was, you know, I wrote a basic um, storyline uh, with with dialogue included, but it's a very different thing to have it than to know the framing of a comic book is super different where, you know, you're talking uh, clockwise, usually clockwise art that has to go with the dialogue. So you and within that, you have to tell the artist what is where and what's going this way. it's just it was it's so 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 complicated but i put that on the back burner in order to get back into the music for a while because that's something i can sit on that's really not going to expire at any time soon you know music changes every six months kind of thing so that's yeah. going to expire way before uh, my comic book does that's a that's a fair point um yeah it's, it's interesting that you know how people can kind of find different creative outputs if uh, you know music isn't the thing that you want to do that you're writing somewhere else or like the quotes or graphic design. Um, the since we were talking about graphic design, the album cover for uh, Indecisive Station um, was that you had a certain photographer in mind to set up that shot. Did you help design that cover, or did you have someone else design it? I, uh, in my past, have freelanced as a graphic designer here and there for different mm-hmm. people and under under a friend of mine who has a company, Hollywood Design Pro, uh, out of Arizona. And I wind up, along with her help, um, created the cover. Like, I, I, we, we basically, I'd say we did it 50-50, and then, you know, I would just wind mm-hmm. up changing the details. But my friend Phil, who owns uh, Origin Photo, he... Uh, He's he's a, a really good buddy of mine. He winds up doing all my photography, um, and he's the one that did the artwork. It was just one of those things. He had another photo shoot located in Dumbo, Brooklyn, and so he's like, "Hey, if you want to hop on, you know, like jump in." So I was like, "All right, you know, let me do it." And we had done a series of other shots, but for me, I loved this particular shot because it's it used to be some sort of warehouse uh, mm-hmm. in in Dumbo, and then. On the back of the cover, I got to put the Brooklyn Bridge, which was cool and really cash, you know, not, not necessarily cashing, but really kind of emphasize the fact that I'm from New York. You know, it's, it's, I feel sure. like you be proud of where you're from kind of thing. And being this was really, I, you know, although I've had previous uh, album releases for me, this was a really important one. So I kind of wanted to really push the notion that I'm New York. It's, it's, you know, it kind of, it kind of just helped with the vibe. Sure, totally. I get that. Um, and have you always lived in New York? Yeah, I was born and raised on Long Island. Um, I just always, yeah, New York all the way. I mean, I enjoy elsewhere. You know, I enjoy all of New York. <laughs> I like. I just got back from oh, yeah. like George, and uh, you know, New York's who I am. So, born and raised. And um, was there, what was the music scene like when you were growing up in Long Island? Was it different from like the city or I would, say, you know, Brooklyn? You know, what's unfortunate is Long, the Long Island music scene is, uh, has really taken quite a plunge. You know, I talk to veteran musicians. I have a lot of friends that are um, like in their 70s even. And they wind up talking about, you know, the way the music scene was here on the island back back in the day. It was a very um, free-for-all kind of thing. Venues had built-in crowds. Um, you just kind of, if you were lucky enough to get booked, you didn't have to worry about selling tickets. You didn't have to worry about any of that because it was, right. you know, venues had built-in crowds. Venues, the whole point was people would go out looking for new entertainment. They wouldn't go out. You know, nowadays, I feel like people are so jaded and spoiled by the idea that you can pick and choose what you want to hear. I can go to this venue and hear certain types of music. I can go to that venue and hear certain types of music. Back then, you kind of got what you were given. And that's how you discover new music. Um, 
when I growing up and even even in high school, like when you're trying to find gigs and stuff, there's a select few venues around Long Island. Sadly, if, unless you're a cover band, they don't want to hear you. Um, oh wow! Or unless you're able to bring down like 150 people per show. Uh, but the, uh, unfortunately, the bad thing then is too, and it's not the you know, it's not to talk bad about anybody, but it's, it's, you know, I understand everyone's got to make a buck. Everyone, it's a, but at the same time, people aren't, I feel like people aren't looking out for music anymore. Uh, it's yeah. just really about, it's really about the money aspect of, it. you know, I remember one time I was booked in a show in the city, actually, uh, the, you know, now my music, even my first record, it was rock and roll. It wasn't as, I wouldn't, I, it was more aggressive, I guess, in this last album, but it was still rock and roll. And they booked me at a show. I was, sandwiched in between a death metal band and a rap band i'm like like you guys just don't even care about what you're booking you know like right. I, you know you got to have some sort of some sort of uh middle ground there that the, there's no way you connect those three genres and expect a decent crowd to come from that um sure. so on the island it really became where the music scene here has been for a long time and seems to continue that way is a very very cover band based uh music scene you know, uh, going to the, going to the city, I had, you know, you wind up having the opportunity to play more original music. Um, it, uh, you know, for me, I feel like I've been told also about like down south in Nashville and in Nashville, from my understanding, it's a lot of the vibe is pretty much, Oh, you want to play? Cool. Let's play. Whereas on Long Island, for the most part, what I've been, you know, witness to is most of the time. So, Hey, you want to play? People are like, sure, man. Cool. Yeah. For 200 bucks. I'm like, well, and then it's not about the music anymore, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I get that. Um, it's a shame that that happens. Um, you know, I remember growing up, I grew up in Staten Island and there was a very high thriving, like local music scene and like lots of bands that you thought were huge because you always heard about them, but they were pretty much local to your area. And that I don't, I just feel like that doesn't exist as much. You know, there are certain venues that have a lot of live music, but there aren't as many venues, I think, supporting live music anymore. No, and that, you know, and it's really unfortunate. I think it has to do with the society which we live in, uh, as well. You know, we live in a very, um, phone handy kind of society where, you know, you sure. kind of, and it's also people want quick people today. They want convenience. They want, they want to hear one cool song and then goodbye. You know, I feel like so yeah. for people to have to sit through an entire concert, unless you're a major, major, major Coliseum selling act. No one cares. And uh, I think, again, I think that's because of social media, which is unfortunate. Everyone's attention span has been um, really tainted. Uh, so it definitely sucks. You know, I'm, I'm I would love for music to change around. And I, I feel like, you know, there was a, there was years ago, people kept, kept saying I kept hearing a lot of producers like genuinely say, like, oh, I think music's dead. Like rock and roll has gone. Like it's dead. And which sucked because, you know, to me, rock and roll just isn't, you know, headbanging stuff. Rock and roll is um cool ccr kind of music you know like uh things sure. of that nature so i wound up seeing like i mentioned earlier the band uh nathaniel right of the night switch and sturgill simpson and even someone like leon bridges and you wind up seeing people like this and you're like the fact that this music's becoming popular again kind of gives you a good feeling like maybe music can still do something maybe live music can come back because that's the kind of music people actually want to see live i was playing uh at a barbecue of mine i put on uh one a record of one of those bands and the people that were there their first reaction was, oh, my God, I would love to see this live. And for me, that was a good feeling because it was like, okay, cool, because that's a good sign that music's not maybe, maybe there's still hope for people to enjoy going out to live shows and enjoying new original music. Yeah, I, I think that the Internet is kind of a double-edged sword. While social media, you know, has kind of tainted a lot of things, it also, like, 
the ability to promote has become so much easier. Like you don't need a huge publicity machine for, for local shows. You can kind of get people together and reach a large audience, at least through the people that you meet and that kind of a thing. And word of mouth kind of spreads faster on social media, but it definitely is the good with the bad. You know, yeah. it can also suck people in and then, you know, it's hard to get people to kind of go out and do stuff. Um, I've seen some interesting things online, like people are doing live stream concerts now where you can watch it either from home and pay pay your ticket price or go to the live event. And I think that's a neat idea, this idea that if I if you're playing in Florida and I can't get to see you in Florida, but I want to support you as an artist, I can pay like 20 bucks and watch it live on the computer, you know? That's definitely, it's cool and it's and it's super convenient. I feel like with something like that, it, and it won't happen, but I didn't even know that existed, but I feel like if that were, if that is a thing, they should put like a, like a radius of which, you know, you have to be so far away in order to tip yeah. buy a ticket digitally because who the hell is going to buy the ticket otherwise? And you know what I mean? I mean, going, right. don't get me wrong. There are obviously people who enjoy the aspect of a live performance and getting to be sure. in sweat distance of the person. But I feel like a lot of people are just going to be like, you know what? I'm just going to sit home. I want, I'd rather be in my underwear right. watching the concert. So I feel like if, if, if they, you know, to look out for musicians, they should totally do a thing where you have to be a certain amount of miles away in order to buy the ticket digitally, you know? Right. Yeah, totally. No, I get that. And I mean, it's hard. Like even I having a nine to five day job, it's like, I don't always want to go out afterwards, you know, and it's, it's just one of those things where, but I mean, often when I go out to a live show, I find it kind of revitalizes me. I do uh, a lot of nightlife DJing for burlesque shows in the city. And it's like, there's some that are really late and, and like going to the show, I'm like, Oh, I'm tired. I want to go home. And then once I get there and get into the experience and start doing the work, I, I kind of get revitalized. And there's something about uh, live environments in New York, especially that I feel like are very energized if you can get to the right show. Absolutely, you know, you know and then definitely, definitely within the right venue and setting. I mean, you, if, if you see the right guy in the right setting, you can be like, "Wow, that was great, man!" You know, but at the same time, if you see the right guy in the wrong setting, it could be off-putting too. You know? Yeah, totally. Um, Talking about your songwriting again and um, going back to the new album. So you said that you're putting out a new single. Do you have have you started working on a new album? Do you have more songs to put out? I imagine I talked to a lot of singer songwriters who, um, you know, are always writing. And so they always have a ton of songs. Do you have a ton of stuff that you kind of haven't quite put together yet that I, are like on the back burner? I have, I have a really big album that I'm working on now. Uh, and I, when I say really big, it's because the songs are extra longer than they would have been. It's a much, it's a much, um, I don't want to use the word grandeur, but like there's a lot, instrumentally, there's a lot more going on. Uh, it's a, I think it's like 15 song album I got going. And, uh, okay. whether it'll remain 15, I don't know. You know what I mean? Cause I feel like, you know, you start whittling down. You're like, all right, you know, maybe I really don't need this song. Um, but right. I have another album I'm coming out. Uh, I don't know when. I can't even say, but the, I know the single will be out in like a month or two. The full album, yeah. maybe a year, but it's going to be called Heartbreak Jungle. And uh, all the songs are kind of within, they were all written within a um, a heartbroken kind of state. You know, like this this last mm-hmm. album, I guess, I feel like 95% of songs are about love anyway. Um, just, you know, <laughs> right. I, feel like, I feel like you listen to so many songs, it's going to be about a girl, a guy, or whatever. So, uh, like in the last record, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a quick breakdown of what the songs were about, uh, and some of them are super unique. And <laughs> so, my favorite song that I wrote on the record is called uh, "Come Here Tonight," and the reason that's my favorite mm-hmm. was now I based it. I wanted, I liked that it has like a dark, sultry vibe, and 
So I had a friend who, for lack of a better term, was a uh, her profession was a, a dirty masseuse, if you will. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she had a client fall in love with her. And I was like, how naive can you be? You know, like, it's like, right. you can watch a guy go to a strip club and he falls in love with a stripper. He's like, she loves me. It's like, of course she loves you. You're giving her a hundred bucks every time she, you know, shakes herself. So, uh, it was, that's, the song was written about that. So I wrote that song from that guy's perspective, from his naive point mm-hmm. of view. I pretended to be him when I wrote that song. And so lyrically, I was totally happy. Um, burned down, which is a cool song because I don't know if you're familiar with the country singer Jason Aldean. Um, sure. But his, I, I, I became pals with his drummer, uh, Rich Redman and Rich is on the album on that song playing drums. Uh, so it was cool. And it was, it was about just, it was about being in the wrong relationship, you know, where someone promises you like, no, 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 trust me, this is all going to work out. It's gonna be okay. And then it doesn't, um, the song cry to me. I tried to write that, uh, in a Sam cook kind of style. If you, I don't know if you're familiar with Sam, mm-hmm. Cooke, but Sure, yeah. Song You Send Me, and I kind of wrote it in that style. And um, that was just about uh, the the classic old situation of the girl who got away. Hey, Money Girl Mm -hmm. was written by, uh, was written about um, snotty girls on Facebook. Uh, Because, like, I I was in the car one day and I was chilling and waiting for somebody to come out of a store that I was waiting for. And I'm scrolling through, and this girl posted something on a post. I'm like, Oh my God, like Jesus, you couldn't sound more pretentious if you tried. So I wrote the song basically about her and, uh, uh, I'll, I'll leave her name anonymous because it's like, I'm not even like really close friends. It was just one of those people that you'd see their post and you're like, God damn it. I got to unfollow you. And then, uh, yeah, sure. Then, uh, but, and then on that song, that might be one of my favorites instrumentally because Billy Joel sax player, Richie Kanata, who I'm friends with, uh, graced me with his, uh, with his talent on the song and I couldn't. That's incredible. That's wonderful. Yeah, I couldn't love it anymore for that reason alone. You know, I, I paid homage to uh, to the, to the songs of yesteryear because yeah, and it's still rock and roll to me by Billy, where he goes, "All right, Rico." So being it yeah. was this, it's it's Richie. I I yell out, "Play it, Richie!" And uh, yeah. and it just I mean me. You just hear the riff, and it, it, once you listen to it, knowing it's him, you're like, "Oh, of course that's him." Who else would play like that? And uh, right. Then uh, I wrote the song. There's a song, Lady Joanna, on the album, which uh, I had been seeing. <laughs> it's uh, it, I, and I understand right off the bat, it doesn't put me in a good light. But I had been seeing a married woman for like two years, and um, oh wow, yeah, it, it was a while back. She was in the process of divorce or something like that. And again, that doesn't shine good light on me. I was younger at the time, and since mm-hmm. realized how not cool that is. And uh, <laughs> but so, and the song was written about her. Um, and we kind of we kind of fell for each other in a heavy way, and then it got to the point where like, what are we doing? Like, this doesn't make any sense. And uh, so I wrote the song about that. So that's a but. But what was cool about the song is, um, I was listening to um, what's the song? Uh, oh man, M- Michelle by the Beatles. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, so I wrote it with that in mind because I like how it starts off very like uh, acousticy, and then uh, it just kind of has like a Hispanic feel almost to it, and so. I changed it and combined it with like a gypsy waltz and uh, went from there. But uh, I don't even remember. I went off on a tangent. I don't remember what started that conversation. <laughs> oh, I mean, you were just giving us a rundown of the songs, which uh, which is interesting to find out, you know, musicians talk about, um, you know, where they're writing from or what the songs are about, because you can kind of make music what you want it to be about if there's enough ambiguity in the lyrics. But it's always interesting to find out kind of where the musician's coming from, too, you know? 
Yeah, no, I, you know, and that's the thing. I, I'm totally, I, I definitely like people to make music their own. You know, people are always going to find their own connection in a song, regardless of what it is. And, uh, I just, I, I, and I don't tell people, uh, the story so they can interpret it. I just want them to know where my head was at when I was writing, you know, or what it's about. Because then I feel like also lyrically, it'll make more sense. You can, you know, you can figure out, oh, that's what he meant by that lyric. Like it becomes a whole different, a whole different um, mental mental moment when you're listening. You're like, oh, okay, I totally get it now. So I tell people just so they can understand, maybe a lyric that may have seemed completely out of context now makes sense. Yeah, totally. And it's it's fascinating, you know, because you the the more ambiguous the lyrics are, the more you can kind of interpret it and put yourself on it. Also, songs like you were talking about how there are a ton of love songs out there and I find that a really well-written love song you can imprint yourself in the situation regardless of what the situation is, you know. Oh, of course. Yeah, you know, that's that is the real silver lining of a love song. You know, whether it's good or bad, no matter what mood you're in or anything like that, you'll be able to fit yourself in there somehow. For sure. Um, so going back to your the style that you write in this kind of, you know, it seems like you like to dabble, but the focus is mostly on rock and roll. Um, are there any other genres you've ever been interested in in kind of dabbling in outside of rock and roll that you kind of wanted to try that were oh, di- yeah. starkly different? A hundred percent. You know, like as a, as an as a singer songwriter. You know, those two titles really, you know, people, I feel like people overlook it because it's been, it's become such a common phrase used in the English language as singer songwriter where people just immediately pin you with the, you know, uh, the, I I don't want to say the hipster look, but you know what I mean? Like people assume if you're a singer songwriter these days, you're wearing like a giant bill pork pie hat, which I do own, but not for that reason. But, you know, people just assume you're going to come out there with the Grizzly Adams beard and a folky-ass guitar. But for me, singer-songwriter is I take pride in the songwriting and I take pride in the singing. So for me, if without rock and roll, and it's completely something I intend on accomplishing within the future, whether it be successful or not successful, is irrelevant to me because I just want to do it. I've written country songs because I love country music. And uh, so I've written country songs that I really intend on writing. I would also, and it's completely left field, would love to record an opera album one day. Um I take, I love, I love opera. You know, I could listen to Mario Lanza or Pavarotti all day long uh, and never get bored. So my intent would be to one day record an album like that. Um, I like, I love gospel music. I'm not a very religious guy, but I, but the, what American gospel music does to the soul is something different. Uh, it makes, it sure. kind of cheers people up, you know. Um, so for me, those are th- things of that nature. I really completely intend on, dabbling in and to, in all honesty this uh, record coming up uh well, even on the last record uh indecisive station the song burned down is kind of countryish and i kind of dabbled a little bit with there but i didn't really go twangy on the vocals because not only would that be i i, I want to say it would, if, if it came from me it would almost be um disrespectful towards people whose voices are actually like that because mine's not like that so why would i sing right with a country tone now Granted, there's some words that I sing that'll come out like that anyway. It's when it's as if when you listen to people with English accents sing, you don't hear the accent when they're singing. So, um, you know, but for me, definitely, definitely, I, I would say if I had to pick, another, if, if someone's like, oh, you only get one more record to to record, what would it be? I'd probably say opera, honestly. Wow, that's awesome. Do you have uh, training with opera singing? Uh, no, I have. I but I, you know. And I'm not, I don't want to sound like one of those guys because don't get me wrong. I completely know an opera singer needs training. Vocalists need training, but, uh, sure. with opera, it, it, I really 
really, really trained myself very, very hard growing up. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, ever, I would say from ninth grade till only probably a couple of years ago, I would practice for like two, three hours a day nonstop. And I would just train my voice to go larger and grander. And I would listen to people like, and it sounds silly because the American culture really, uh, or demographic sees people like, the artist Tom Jones, I'm a huge fan of. Now, people see him and remember him for things like It's Not Unusual or What's New Pussy Shit. Oh, but if you actually go through his arsenal of songs and listen to songs, like there's a song I'd recommend to anyone who wants to hear a great vocal to listen to, and it's called Till. Um, and if you listen to it, by, and it is so operatic. I mean, the, the, the ending note, you can't help but listen and be like, no, that's opera 100%. Like, you, there's nothing else right. that note could be. So for me... I would practice the songs like that and wind up hitting them and, uh, you know, with obviously a lot of practice, but so, so for something like that, that's something I would love to do. I would really also love to do a, a nice raw album, you know, like real, mm-hmm. I don't want to say bluegrass, but almost that, that backwards kind of vibe of a record. I like that, you know, where you drink a bottle of whiskey or whatever like that, and you get together with the guys, smoke something or whatever. I don't know if it's a, if it's a regular cigarette or a funny cigarette, but, and you wind up, you wind up <laughs> recording something that's just, awesome you know sure totally well it sounds like you have a big vision for what you can do and that that's pretty awesome that kind of versatility i think is what adds to the longevity of any musician you know having a few different tricks up your sleeve so to speak um i want to direct people to where they can find you on the internet um where's the best place they can find your music and um you know uh, all the things that you do out in the world uh, well, there, my website for one, which is uh, zeissofficial.com, Z-E-I-S-S, official.com. And then uh, then there's obviously I'm on Instagram, but through my website, you can find my Instagram, my Facebook, uh, and, you know, iTunes is probably the best place to get the music right now. Um, mm-hmm. So and right. it's, you know, you can find all the old records and stuff, too. If you go, just iTunes.com slash Zeiss, and it pops right up. And it's you'll see, like I said, some older ones. Um, the in, you know, you'll definitely see the growth in vocals as progress. <laughs> you listen to old things. My first single I listened to, I recorded uh, "That's All Right, Mama" down in Memphis, uh, mm-hmm. where where Elvis recorded his. And then, but you can hear the youth in my voice. You know, it's like lack of experience. Sure. So that's awesome. Um, I definitely uh, recommend "Indecisive Station." I enjoy it quite a bit. I think that's a great record to start with. Uh, there's an, a lot of variety on it. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. I hope next time you're in the city in Brooklyn or New York, you'll let me know. I would love to get together. And of course, if you're playing live, please give me a heads up. I'll promote the hell out of it. Uh, dude, I appreciate it. 110%. Uh, I'm, I'll make my, regardless, I'll make my way to the city soon, grab a, grab a drink and talk some more music, you know? That sounds great. Uh, Zeiss, thank you for taking the time and, uh, have a great night. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me, man. Truly appreciate it. Had a great time. All right. All right. Take care. Be good. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.